0: It's time for Chicago's annual funny music convention, FumpFest. This year, we're celebrating Dr. Demento's 50th anniversary with special guest, radio legend Dr. Demento, appearing live and in person. Dr. Demento will be presenting his Festival of Dementia, signing autographs, and hosting the 11th annual Logan Whitehurst Memorial Awards for Excellence in Comedy Music. FumpFest is taking place August 20th through 22nd at the Westin North Shore in Wheeling, Illinois, and will feature performances by Bill Larkin, Carla Albert, Steve Goody, Bad Beth, and Beyond, The Gothicle, Ross Child, The Great Luke Ski, Worm Quartet, Insane Ian, Nuclear Bubble Rap, Harry Dalby, Ian Lockwood, and a special appearance by Sulu from the Dr. Demento Show. Plus Demented Karaoke, Dumb Parody Ideas, The Fump Showcase, and more. Visit Fumpfest.com to register and book your hotel room. That's F-U-M-P-F-E-S T.com.
2: You dead? Yeah, man. Me dead. (laughs)
1: Uh, Well, become undead because we need to do a podcast.
2: Zombie podcast!
1: So before we get into our main feature, we we do need to talk about something. Uh, Kiki, do you want to start the story?
2: Yeah, uh, this is from the Los Angeles Times judge grants class action status in workers lawsuit against disneyland i believe we may have uh mentioned this kind of in passing on a previous episode i can't remember if we did or not this lawsuit actually started back in 2019 uh with uh five workers their original complaint was that uh the walt disney corporation violated something called measure l It requires Anaheim resort businesses that receive tax subsidies and all of their subcontractors to pay employees a living wage. At the time of the initial lawsuit, a living wage was defined as $15 an hour. Currently, it is $17 an hour. A labor union called Unite Here Local 11 and several other unions that represent Disneyland employees have backed Measure L. And it has taken a year and a half for the judge to allow the case to proceed as a class action lawsuit. A lot of the workers are directly employed by the Walt Disney Company. Many other workers are um, contract workers for various contract the um, two largest are c- companies called Sodexo and Sodexo Magic. They uh, are in charge of restaurants and coffee shops throughout Disneyland. They have not yet disclosed how many people have signed up for the class action. They're saying it is now in the thousands, however. So, Thoughts? <laughs> Pay your workers a living wage period yeah that that's kind of my thoughts um
1: you know people want to get paid what they're worth and they want to get paid a living wage these are still people that wake up every day go up to disneyland and deal with the guests and now there's more guests coming into the parks now especially now in summer people are going on their summer vacations to disneyland these people who have to put up with all of these uh, park goers and that are going to treat them like garbage? Pay them enough that it makes it worth their while, or they'll go somewhere else. Pay your workers, pay them what they're worth, and they will work for you. That's my personal thing about it. Go, go, Disney workers, get your money.
2: And if you've ever met, a Disney cast member. These people truly are passionate about their jobs in a way that nobody is passionate about a job. I'm yeah. sorry, I've never been passionate about a job. I do a job because I I need money to survive. But for a lot
1: of them it's their dream to be to work for Disney. Like like us, they grew up watching the Disney movies and stuff. So they want to be part of it. And in their little way, working uh, uh, behind a register at Disneyland or as a custodian or as a character, that's part of their dream. I mean, we've kind of talked about it uh, ourselves. You know, how many little girls want to grow up and be a Disney princess? And a lot of them are the Disney princesses at Disneyland.
2: Yeah, I've known quite a few cast members in my life that uh work both at Disneyland and I've known several that have worked at Disney World I've known people that have worked food service uh retail and even character jobs every single person I've known that has worked as a cast member at Disney I've even known people that have worked Disney cruises every single one of them had true passion for the job while they worked at disney pay your workers a living wage disney and more than a living wage a thriving wage if you work at a disney park you deserve a thriving wage um every human deserves a living wage are you a human you deserve a living wage if yeah. you're working at a D- disney park you're you deserve a thriving wage
1: disney can afford it
2: yeah that's the position of this podcast. Thriving wage for Disney workers.
1: Yep. All right. Let's 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 move on from that. So as we are recording this episode, it is Olympic season. The 2021 Summer Olympics, delayed from last year, is already underway. Uh,
2: do, do you, in general, did you grow up in an Olympic household? I did not. Really? That fascinates me i grew up in an olympic household we are not sports people you know this about me we have talked about this on the show before i do not watch sports we are an olympic household
1: we did not hosted the olympics once
2: (laughs) yeah i i went to the olympics when they were in atlanta i um i got up in the middle of the night to watch the olympic torch run by my house and i mean it literally ran in front of my house you know 20 feet from my house it was the coolest thing in my life we weren't rich enough to actually go into any um venues you know and see actually see any sports Mm. um but it was you know free to go to atlanta and walk around (laughs) My my grandparents lived close enough outside of Atlanta that Atlanta was a day drive so we kind of stayed in their house and drove into Atlanta for the day walked around in the crowds and bought some merchandise and you know there were lots of olympians posing with their medals and you know having meet and greets and things like that so it was really cool but uh I have watched every single olympics since I was conscious, uh, summer and winter, I cannot stay in sports. I cannot get enough of the Olympics.
1: So, yeah, as uh, since it is Summer Olympics, let's talk about the Winter Olympics.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, because this is the only Olympics movie we know of on Disney Plus, really.
1: There is another one, Miracle, about the hockey team, but we can save that for February.
2: Yeah, uh, that's true. Um, this, this one I think is better. I've seen both, but this is the more well-known watch... movie,
1: I would say. Yeah.
2: And this is the movie that's nostalgic for us. Yeah. This is the movie that came out in our childhood. We talked about this movie a lot in our childhood, I think. At least I did. hmm My, my friend, I don't know if this was like a cultural touchstone for you, but it was for me. It was just one of those movies that
1: was on TV a lot of it for me growing up in, in like, what, ninety ninety three ninety four. 93, 94?
2: 93 I think it was
1: yeah yeah. October 1993
2: yeah but like my friends at school and stuff like occasionally you'd just be sitting around and there'd be dead silence and then like one of my friends would just got out and be like you know you can't believe Jamaica we got a bobsled team like it's just out of nowhere
1: (laughs) (laughs) so yeah this was about the 1988 winter olympics which was held in Calgary, Alberta, Canada.
2: I, I remember those. I was very young, but I do remember them. Yeah.
1: The story of the first Jamaican bobsled team.
2: Uh, this
1: movie um, takes some liberties with the actual story. <laughs> that uh, is he- putting it
2: very mildly. Uh, let's just go through the things the movie has in common with reality. Okay. that'll be easiest okay <laughs> um the things that the movie and reality have in common jamaica had a a push cart tradition some guys had an idea of hey push carts and bobsleds kind of look like each other and you do need uh you know we have a sprinting tradition and you do need a kind of sprint start to push the bobsled off at the beginning these two things might go together it would be kind of neat to see jamaica in a winter olympics it'd be kind of fun to to get our foot in the door there let's try it uh they got their foot in the door they got the bobsled team in composed mostly of sprinters they ended up uh, crashing. It was uh, unlike what's shown in the movie. It was a pilot error that just came from them being new. Inexperience, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, inexperience uh, due to the, it being new. They were there were some injuries resulting from the crash, but they, they were able to walk uh, away from the crash. They did not carry the sled over their head, but they walked their sled to the finish line. That ended their first Olympics, and that became the first uh, Jamaican uh, bobsled team. It is kind of an inspiring story of the first people to do a thing.
1: And they've pretty much had a bobsled team in almost every Winter Olympics since.
2: However. The rest of what you see in the film is fiction so as far this as is, this
1: movie goes. Yeah, this is a movie that's kind that at the time, the script had been floating around for about four years at Disney and they were trying to figure out what they were going to do with it. Uh, three of the stars were already attached to it at the time. Uh, Leon Robinson, Dougie Doug, Malik Yoba were already tied to the film. And it went through a lot of changes. Originally, it was going to be a straight, serious sports film but apparently that wasn't really working for disney so so they decided to add a lot of comedy to it uh probably that's when this is likely when they decided to bring in john candy and dougie doug was already known as a stand-up comic at the time so originally the title was going to be called blue maga m-a-a-g-a hopefully i'm pronouncing that right with, uh, and it went through several directors before finally getting on its, uh, its actual director, uh, John Turtelab. Turtle Tob. Turtle Tob. That's how I'm. So it went through a couple of different directors.
2: I uh, love the list of directors that were not.
1: Jeremiah Chelick, who dropped out of the movie to direct Benny and June. And then Brian, then they hired Brian Gibson, who also dropped out of the movie to direct "What's Love Got to Do with It."
2: Yeah, I just, I think that that is is such an interesting progression because I, I've, I, I mean, Benny and June is such a cultural moment.
1: Mm-hmm. And "What's Love Got and to And What's with Love
2: it? Got to Do with It" also a cultural moment. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, kind of for our generation cool runnings is a bit of a but it's no Benny in June or what's love got to do with it let's just let's just be honest, yeah, you know, Turtletop is kind of interesting in his Disney credits. His biggest thing for Disney is national treasure. Mm. you know it is so that's that's kind of what we're talking about here is he goes from this to the national treasure i mean he's got stops in between of course but you know even right around this same time he releases uh while you were sleeping i think he also did that one
1: and three ninjas
2: (laughs) oh yeah and three ninjas he did three ninjas right before this yeah. Yeah. So, kind kind of an interesting, yeah. Um. So yeah, you you mentioned that the the actors that they got for this, you know, John Candy we've talked about before, Stone Legendary. Cold Legend. You know, Leon Robinson. Um. Sometimes he's just called Leon. Um. You know, he he had come off of the Five Heartbeats. And after that, he would go into um, uh, the TV movie, The Temptations. In 2000, he plays Little Richard. So he does a lot of, uh, you know. Biopics. Biopics, but also musical biopics. And then in the comedy here, he's the the straight man to Dougie Doug. Dougie Doug
1: was everywhere in the 90s, really.
2: He really, really was. He had done Jungle Fever before yes. this. Spike Lee, yes. you know, and he had uh done Hanging with the Homeboys before this, and he did Class Act with Ken Play before this. Mm-hmm. And after this, he still sticks with Disney. He does Operation Double Dumbo Drop. He does the remake of that darn cat. He uh, switches over uh, in the early 2000s. He does eight-legged freaks. He did the um, the show that Bill Cosby did after the Cosby Show, just called Cosby. Mm. That he did with Felicia Rashad. He start, you know, he started out in the Apollo as stand-up.
1: Yeah, I remember seeing at least one stand-up special of his. I believe on the early days of Comedy Central.
2: Yeah, and then like I said, he gets hooked. Hooked up with Spike Lee. Yeah. So, I mean, he already had quite a lot of cred before he gets to cool running. The one thing I've always kind of wanted to know is did Sanka pay heavily for that product placement? Sanka Coffee.
1: His name is Sanka 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 Coffee. Coffee. Yeah.
2: And it's spelled in the movie C O F F I E and his mom owns the cafe and it's called like Mama Coffee's or something and you're like okay well maybe their last name really is coffee and his first name is Sanka as like a a joke um so yeah we uh start out in November 87 3 months East. before the winter olympics that's Yeah a- before the winter olympics um, and Darice is trying to qualify for the Summer Olympics. Meanwhile, we also see Senka in this push cart derby. hmm Uh, where you have, like, a little kid on the front of the cart, and then you have an older member pushing it and driving it.
1: Think of it, for those of you who've never seen pushcarts, think of it as a two-man boxcar derby.
2: But Senka's... He kind of loses control. It goes off the, the track, crashes into a little, you know, snack stand or something that's on mm-hmm. the side of the track. Um, and that's our first time we get the joke of, like, Senka, you dead? Come on. That's how we find out about the, the push cart tradition and that Senka is generally considered one of the best push cart drivers Everybody is kind of there to see Sanko win. It does seem like he has a history. He claims that he
1: is the multiple-time champion.
2: Yeah. We find out that uh, Doris's father was a gold medalist in the Olympics. He wants to follow in his father's footsteps. And so he gets down to the qualifying, and he meets Yul Brenner and... Junior, Junior, who are also there to do the qualifying, and as they go, Junior stumbles somehow and wipes out Doris and Yule.
1: So there goes Olympic Dream Shattered. As tears were running down Derice's face as he sees someone else cross the finish line before him. This is his life's goal, is to go to the Olympics and be like his father. And it was just taken away from him by this guy that trips over his own feet. So he um, goes to the Olympic committee himself saying, hey, that, what happened was garbage. You have to redo the race because... My spot is was taken away from me by a guy who tripped on his own feet.
2: <laughs> and and you, honestly, you feel for him because it's not his fault. He didn't get a fair shot. No, he didn't.
1: But the Olympic, uh, the head of the Jamaican Olympic Committee is saying, uh, the race is done. We're not going to redo it. We have our our, our our track team. Try again in four years. And then if he had lost a race, he probably would have let it go. Because, hey, the better man won. But he didn't lose fairly. It was taken from him.
2: So he after. And the same thing with Yule. Yeah. I think if Yule had lost. Same thing. But as he's in the office. He sees a photograph. He's never seen before. It's his father standing next to another. Gold medal winner. And he says. Hey who's this. And he says. Uh the um head of the association says that's irv blitzer he is a winter olympic champion a bobsledder um he was a friend of your father and he moved to jamaica specifically to talk your father into becoming an olympic bobsledder because he thought a sprinter would make the best bobsledder and Dorice was like, "Well, okay, if you won't let me into the Summer Olympics, I'll become a bobsledder." Um, what's a bobsled?
1: <laughs> That's the joke because hey, they're on an island and they don't know what snow is. Yeah. After this, Dorice goes directly to Senka, his best friend, saying, "Hey, you're the best push cart guy I know. Bobsleds are kind of like push carts. Will you Without help wheels. me?"
2: Yeah, and on
1: ice. And on ice. That's the thing they give him ice. No, no, no. I'm from Jamaica. We don't have ice. Which again, that becomes a running gag of island boy Sanka adjusting to winter.
2: You saw me when I moved to Chicago.
1: I wanted I, to mention that.
2: I feel, I feel for Sanka this entire. Summer. So
1: yeah, we've mentioned it. You're from Georgia. You're from the South. You moved to Chicago. I'm not
2: just from Georgia. I'm from like the south of Georgia.
1: <laughs> you are hop skip and a jump away from Florida.
2: Yeah. So
1: uh, yeah, so yeah, when you moved to Chicago, I remember uh when you bought your first ever winter coat, how happy you were like,
2: I'm warm. <laughs> well, parts of me were slightly warmer. I don't think I was ever warm the entire time I was in uh Chicago until i got my space heaters and my humidifiers i actually um finally in one apartment i had central heating two space heaters and a humidifier someone someone gifted me a humidifier and I ran the space heaters and the humidifiers and at one point my roommate came in and they opened my door and a wall of steam hit them in the face. Like, if you open the door of a sauna, yeah. that happened and they went, what is going on in here? And I was just inside my room just smiling and I went, I'm comfortable again. <laughs> So that was that was the, when I finally reached comfort levels in Chicago because I could breathe. Um, it was it was finally fine. They were like, "It's a sauna in here," and I'm like, "I know. It feels like home." So you feel for Senka. As, yeah. yeah, this whole movie, I was like, "Yep, this this I, I've been there, Senka. I understand what you're going through." So he gets Senka
1: on board. And now we need. They need a coach, so they go to to Irv, who is now a bookie, but he's not a very good one because we see his horse literally didn't come in, lost the race he was listening to on the radio.
2: At which but, point he just destroys that radio <laughs> with a pool cue. Yeah.
1: And yeah, once uh, Darius and Sanka saying, "Hey, we want to start a selling team. Can you help us?" It's, No, I want nothing to do with bobsleds. I hate bobsleds. Whoever heard of a Jamaican bobsled team? Get away from me, kid. You bother me. But they don't quit. It's a nice little montage of them constantly bothering him day after day after day.
2: And finally, he lets them talk long enough for Doris to say, I, you know, I am Ben Bannock's son. You moved down here to get my father to join your bobsled team. And and the thing that really gets him is he says, you know, look, your father was a, a gold medalist. He was one of the best I've ever seen, and he could run his race in 10 flat. And Therese said, yeah, and I can run it in 9.9. Nine.
1: Well, you're faster than your old man. I'll give you a shot. So he didn't go to this. Well, there're only two people though. They need a four-man team.
2: Now, I this is an th- this is the thing that I don't quite understand about the movie except for the fact that the that the first team was a four-man team um because there are two-man bobsled teams. That is what I didn't just stop there.
1: <laughs> that is what I'm trying to get to is that they did compete in the two-man team. Now, this movie only focuses on the four-man team. But Two of the members of the four-man bobsled team did compete in the two-man event. And since then, Jamaica has sent a two-man team to the Winter Olympics. So they could have, if they wanted to, go for a two-man team. But they push—they really are pushing the four-man team in this film. So we get to this little... Uh, there's this like classroom, there's all these... Uh, athletes there and they show this film of bobsleds and they're crashing and all this stuff it's like a traffic a movie that you would see in traffic school almost
2: yeah um the interesting thing is is that they i think they expected um terese and senka i think expected that um Irv was going to give, like, a big recruitment speech in the sense of, hey, don't you want to join the bobsled team? It's going to be the greatest adventure of your life or whatever. And it sort of starts out like that. Like, this is the greatest roller coaster you're ever going to be on. And then you're going to crash and die. Well, he does say later in the movie that he's not
1: good at inspiring speeches.
2: Yeah, and and we see it here because it immediately uh becomes like a horror film,
1: which is enough to scare every athlete out of that room. They are not crashing and they're not crashing in snow. But, um
0: yeah.
2: yeah, I I it just kind of like the complete crickets emptiness of the room when they turn the lights back on.
1: But uh Luckily for them, uh, Yule and Junior are late to the presentation and they just walk in, hey, is this where the uh, the bobsled uh, uh, auditions are? Yule immediately jumps on to the team because he wants to get off the island. And he realizes that the only way to get off the island is to become an Olympian. And this is kind of his story throughout the rest of the movie. He wants to become famous. And the only way he knows how to get famous is through athletics. And that's his way off the island. He even berates, well, later in the movie, not only other people from the island, but his own teammates. Like, you're, you know, you're going to be on the island for the rest of your life, and I'm going to be living in a castle.
2: Yeah.
1: Kind of deal. So his thing is, I'm, I'm only joining this team... For I'm only joining this team to get off the island. The rest of you don't matter to me.
2: Yeah, and Junior also wants to be an Olympian, and he also kind of wants to make it up to Doris. Oh
1: yeah, so the minute Junior walks into that movie and into that room, Yul's going, "You,
2: you took this away from me." Yeah, Yul wants to beat his skull in. But Doris is like, you know what? We need him. If you beat his head in, we will not have a team. Um, so we've let him live, and maybe we will get to the Olympics. Um, so by default of nobody else showing up, they got a four-man team now. Yep. <laughs> and Irv. The other thing we don't quite understand is how Irv cobbles together their first sort of push cart bobsled.
1: It looks like it's a bathtub on wheels, and it probably is.
2: Yeah, it's something like that. It's on wheels, and they're practicing on dirt, just kind of going down slopes and and hills on the island. Um, There
1: is a minor thing here of, of... Irv making Darice the driver, a.k.a. the captain of the team, where Sanka is like, well, I'm the driver. I'm the best driver on the island. I should be the driver of the bobsled. And it, the short version is Irv makes Darice the captain essentially because he's the only responsible one of the four of them.
2: And once Sanka hears the reasoning, he's right. You know, Senka backs down at that point. He's like, you're right. I do not want the responsibility of everybody's safety in my hands.
1: Because, yeah, when you're the driver, the the safety of your team is in your hands. And, yeah, he doesn't want that. So we also kind of get Junior's story. You see, Junior is rich. He lives in the biggest house on the island. His father is a wealthy businessman. And uh, Junior's father is kind of done with Junior's uh, fantasy dream of becoming an athlete. You know, it's it's time to get rid of this dream of being an athlete and get a real job. Uh, Go to the real world. His father
2: is absolutely pleased he wiped out. In that qualifier, because okay, now now you'll give up and you'll go work for some acquisition firm or whatever. He got him a job at.
0: Yeah,
1: he got him a job at a firm in Miami. Twist Jr. does not want this. In fact, we we see him talking to his dog, saying, "Yeah, I'm I'm going to tell my dad I'm I'm going to be a bobsledder. I'm going to go to the Olympics." And and then he just is unable to stand up to his father, so he doesn't tell his father at all, and. uh, We'll come back to that in a bit. (laughs) Because we got a montage of them training how to ride a bobsled.
2: Yeah, one of the things we're not saying is that quite a bit of this film is montage. A good
1: number of it's montage. I mean, it's funny you see them crash into a police car. There's a scene of Senka in an ice cream truck. Because he needs to get used to the cold. But the... The next story part, next part of the story after their, their little training montage is that Irv goes to the head of the Jamaican Olympic Committee saying, we want you to sponsor the team so we can go to Canada and go compete in the Winter Olympics. And the head of the committee says, no, he said, we have a a basically he doesn't want his country to be embarrassed you know we're we're summer athletes, we're, we're 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 runners. we're not we don't play in the snow, and I will not have my country embarrassed at the Olympics.
2: Also, he's only asking for twenty thousand dollars to send these people to the Olympics. Can you imagine sending an entire team to the Olympics for that little? That's just I can't imagine that.
1: so since the uh, Olympic Committee, the Jamaican Olympic Committee says no. They have to raise the money themselves. Uh, Senka starts singing on the street to try to raise money. He gets one dollar to shut up. (laughs) They go to several banks to try to get a a loan, and they get laughed at. Uh, Yule starts arm wrestling for, for, for dollars. He does start beating people, but he eventually loses to this very large woman. Comedy. Therese does, opens up a kissing booth.
2: But, uh, you know, they only raise a couple of hundred dollars, I think. Like, yeah. less than 200 maybe. But, uh, Junior walks in with, like, $20,000 and just dumps it on the table. Yep. Uh, he sells his
1: car. And we see him with a very expensive-looking car earlier in the film. He sells his car for the money and that's the money they're going to take to to Canada um and he says that he never told his father that he's going to the Olympics he says he's he told his father that he's going to take the job in Miami and that he loaned his car to a friend which is why the car's not going to be there so this will not bite him in the butt later in the film no way nuh-uh so, anyway, so we're gonna get
2: to Canada yeah Canada.
1: <laughs> reality kind of hits at these four Jamaican boys who've never been off the island Are uh, witnessing winter for the very first time. And uh, as we said, you kind of empathize with the four boys here.
2: I love when they say, Sanko, what are you smoking? Because there's just this white puff coming out of him. And he's like, I'm not smoking, I'm breathing.
1: Adult (laughs) jokes.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I love how little they played off the Rasta angle. (laughs) It's very weird that they have an entire Rasta character. And that's the only joke they make about it the entire time
1: because it's still a disney movie
2: if yeah but was, it's not there's this, not even like a get past the censors joke until that one
1: if this was like a touch tone movie they probably would have leaned into it more but because this is a straight disney movie they 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 they, they can't go full tilt into the ganja
2: <laughs> i mean there's a haile selassie joke later but it's literally just saying the name haile selassie I, I kind of respect their r- restraint, actually. I mean, Rastafarian culture is much more nuanced than just weed, so you know.
1: Uh, Irv decides to reg- uh, goes to register the team. He's first kind of laughed at by the register guys. Oh, you yeah, know, yeah, Jamaican bobsled team. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, you're in the system, Jamaican bobsled team. <laughs> But oh. it's when he reads, it's when he sees some of the other officials from the Americans that that things start to get cold. As he, one of them just walks right by him, giving him like the icy stare of death. One kind of says, "Hey, what happened to you, man?" Because we see earlier in the movie this very skinny picture that is obviously not John Candy, and then we see John Candy. Even he makes it like, "Ah, oh, look how thin I was, and look how not thin I am now."
2: Yeah. And the whole been kind of a suggestion that something happened to make him hate bobsledding, but we've never been told what. And then once he gets on the ground, he keeps saying hello to people, and most of the people do not want to say hello back to him. They want nothing to do with him. And now that he's on the ground, a few people are even saying, like, oh, you've got some nerve.
1: Yeah, showing your face here again. Yeah, we get one word earlier that he's disgraced, but we never told what he did. So he's all we know at this point in the movie from what the movie is telling us that he is a disgraced former Olympian, and everyone is kind of either avoiding him or just make the you know the, the the bare minimum in in kind work in uh in dialogue and then moving on with 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 their day. But uh, Irv gets one of his old teammates, who is now one of the judges, saying, hey, uh, I need to talk to you. Can can you just give me half an hour of your time? And he pretty much tells him, we need a sled. I've got $5,000 left. I'll give it to you. Can you just give me a sled? Well, we can give you one of our old practice sleds, but that's the best I can do. This is enough. They have a sled. Let's kind of move on to Derice's other kind of story here. As he begins to idolize the Swiss bobsled team, he sees them practice. You know, he goes to the track. He goes, you know, the the, the bobsled track. He sees the Swiss team perform. How in sync they are. The the rituals they do to warm up.
2: How They're great- beautiful, gleaming red bobsled.
1: Yeah. And this starts his whole thing for the rest of the film, how he idolizes them and he wants his team to mimic what they're doing because they're the best, and he wants their team to at least sort of get there.
2: Yeah, they start counting in German, or he yeah. starts counting in German to yeah to get the team to to go and everything. He
1: even starts, you know, banging their helmets the way the uh, the, the Swiss. Uh, the Swiss team does to hype him up and all that he when they get to where the sleds are when he sees the Swiss sled he's just in awe of it how beautiful it looks and he just wants to get what it looks like what's inside it and just in awe of this of of the Swiss and then he sees the the sled that Irv was able to buy and it's just points it looks like it's held together by duct tape it's unpainted all rough metal The
2: interesting thing is, is that once he realizes that this is the bobsled they're going to use, he says, it's beautiful. He's he's so into the sport by this point that, you know, whatever gets him there, he's not going to complain. Yeah. If this is the sled he's going to use, this is the sled he's going to use, and it's going to be great.
1: So we get to the next day, and it's their first trial, and they're kind of stared at. As soon as they get there, everyone stops talking. They all stare at them, and people are starting to crack jokes. Oh, hey, Jamaican bobsled team, why don't you go back to the island and all that stuff. And this is – I understand why they did this for the movie, but according to everyone involved in the real real life events that happened, uh, they were pretty much welcomed. By the other team, even other teams were actually lending them equipment, knowing that they didn't have their own stuff. They were so yeah, so this animosity, this 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 joke uh, you know having the other athletes treat them as jokes invented for the movie, but just having them come there and having all of the athletes welcome them with open arms and lend them equipment wouldn't be a very entertaining movie.
2: Yeah, there's no drama in that.
1: Yeah, you need drama. So, yeah. And so they're at the hotel afterwards. And it's more of the same story that we've said before of of Yule wanting to get off the island. That he's going to become rich and famous by being an Olympian. And he pulls out this picture saying, this is where I'm going to live. I'm going to live in a castle just like this. And, uh... Senka says, "Um, that's Buckingham Palace. That is where the Queen of England lives. You cannot live there unless you marry the Queen. And it's another dream shattered moment. You see him crumpling up the picture. Is that his dream of living in a castle outside the island is just crushed right there.
2: Well, the thing is, is that just before that, Yul had been making fun of Sanka for reading a Hulk comic book. Oh, yeah, we get
1: another uh, Marvel reference in a Disney movie before they bought Marvel. I forgot about that.
2: Yeah, but Yul, the, the, you know, the, as as cute as that was, um, but Yul was saying that's that's a children's book. You know, you're you're just as ignorant as everybody else on the island and that's why you're going nowhere, but I'm going to live here. I'm going to live in this place. And that's when Sankin Jr. like you're so ignorant you don't even know that's where the Queen of England lives. It does tell you something about Yule's method of going about things. And you know, you you always run into these people who they want the you know to, n- not to rag on the muppets you know but the muppets made that joke of the standard rich and famous contract yeah but there are people who honestly think that's how it works and Yule seems to be one of those people and you get it now with the kids who think, like, you know, well, I'm going to get on YouTube, and that's how it's going to be.
1: I'm going to become TikTok famous.
2: <laughs> or I'm going to get on Twitch, and that's going to, you know. Yeah. Um,
1: but Yeah, but for Yule is, once he becomes an Olympian, once he becomes an Olympic champion, he doesn't need anything else. He's going to be live the life of luxury.
2: Yeah, and even for an olympian that's not how it works i mean good grief there are thousands of olympians every four years Mm -hmm. there are hundreds of medal winners there are 20 that make a living at being an olympian
1: and your, your age of athletics only goes so far. Once you reach a certain age, uh, the body doesn't uh, react the same way as it used to. Speaking as a 40-year-old man.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. and But even the really good ones in their mm-hmm. sport, there's only a few sports that you can really make that type of money at. Mm-hmm. Um, uh,
1: but yeah, Yule has no backup plan. It's just Olympics or bust.
2: Yeah, Olympics or bust. Um, and we see that Doris already has a backup plan. Derice is a teacher. Yeah, we we didn't. Uh, it's a bleak, yeah. miss it
1: moment when he says he's about to train, and his his girlfriend, wife. Uh, it's never really. Explained I think it's it. a girl girlfriend. Yeah, he says you've got papers to grade. You don't have time to to train. He says. Uh, The the trials are tomorrow. I need to train as much as I can.
2: Yeah, so the one sensible one on the team, you know.
1: That's why he's the captain.
2: That's why he's the captain. He's already working like most Olympians do, you Mm -hmm. know. He's already got his career in order. But he has a dream of being an Olympian, and then he's going back to the rest of his life.
1: But in... And an amazing point in this movie, it's Junior that stands up for Yule. Say, so, well, at least he has a dream. And if he works for it, if he wants it bad enough, that dream will come true. And more people, you know, more people need to, you know... Um, he talks about his father, how his father came from nothing, started a business, and now he's the richest man in Jamaica. And that all you need is a dream and the passion for it. So he kind of is on Yule's side, but... You know, trying to tell him that it it can happen, but it it ain't going to be easy.
2: I both like this moment and hate this moment. Because I like the character moment of Junior. uh, Empathizing with Yul, standing up for Yul, being his friend. Good character moment. But this does read as that kind of uh, hollow Disney speech coming from a rich boy who didn't really much have to work for anything.
1: Your typical Disney follow your dreams
2: come true. Uh, Yeah. Just wish on a star and everything will come true. And, you know, I mean, at least he does put in there about you keep dreaming and working hard. Mm -hmm. It's a bit more of the Tiana dream, Mm -hmm. you know, than it is just to like uh, hope for it. And one day it's just going to show up on your doorstep. Uh, it does ring a little bit hollow considering who it is coming from. Yeah.
1: The rich boy.
2: Yeah. Um, but I like that. Yul does pick back up the picture and, you know, okay. May
1: not be that house, but, you know, there's a chance he could have a nice house somewhere.
2: Yeah, you could have a nice house and you could leave the island. Yeah, you know. So, um,
1: and it does kind of start something between Junior and Yule that they are kind of together for the rest of the movie.
2: Is this where we go to the bar? Uh,
1: No, no, we are. We go to the second trial. They lose control of the sled and one of the Olympic officials telling the photographer, oh, yeah, take the picture. Now, the most embarrassing picture you could take of this Jamaican team chasing their sled as they lose the grip on it as it goes down the, the down the track.
2: Yeah. Um, and that picture makes it back to the island.
1: The yep, the Olympic official, his his uh, his worry is coming true as uh, J- Jamaica is becoming embarrassed by this bobsled team that don't know how to bobsled. But it also gets Junior's father because Junior's father is reading the newspaper and sees his son in the paper running after a bobsled. So, yeah, again, bit him in the butt there. So we move on to to Doris. Uh, one of the Olympic officials we saw earlier kind of talks to him and says, "Hey, uh, your 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 coach isn't exactly what he seems. He's, you know, he you might want to talk to him about what he did to you know. He he was a gold medal he was a gold medalist, yes, but he had one of his medals taken away from him, and you might want to ask him why that happened." But uh, at first, Darice doesn't care. It's like, yeah, he's, yeah, he's disgraced. So what? You know, he's learned his lesson. And yeah, that, but this this, this does start a little bit of doubt in Darice, especially when it comes to Irv.
2: Well, no, they, they tell him exactly what happened, right?
1: Oh, uh, yes, yes. That he put weights in the front of the sled to make it go faster. And that's how he got his last gold medal. But they found out he was cheating and they stripped him of the gold medal. And then basically saying, is that the kind of guy you want as your coach? And I don't know how much of this Irv heard, because he kind of walks in as this is happening.
2: I think from what we hear later, I think we're supposed to figure out that he probably heard everything. But Darius doesn't tell the rest of the team, which I think is interesting.
1: But uh, Junior gets a letter from his father saying, yeah, this is done. Come home. Junior's still under the thumb of his father. So they go to a bar. Junior and Yule kind of bonding here. You know, you're going to let your father tell you what to do and all that stuff.
2: But uh, Junior kind of loses it there. He's got his, his mug of beer and he's saying, I don't know what to do. And he's getting a little loud. And, of course, the the East German, one of the uh, favorite Cold War villains that we have. It uh, is
1: the 80s <laughs> at this point. Huh? It is the 80s at this point.
2: Yeah. Um. But... You know, one of the, the East Germans takes exception to him being loud in the bar and is like, you know, hey, shut up, you know, um, calls him a uh, little boy or or whatever. Calls him
1: a tor- he calls him a tourist. He doesn't exactly say uh, the whole uh, you don't belong here because you're black. It's you're a tourist. Go back home. You're, you're not Olympian. Which is probably the closest we're going to get to something like that in a Disney movie. At least until later in this movie.
2: Well, they do at one point suggest that. The sight of a whole bunch of black people trying to bobsled has ruffled some feathers. Um, but yeah, they're... that is that is very explicitly stated at one point in the movie, but just one point. Yes. They don't so, get too far into the racism of it. Um but again, like you said, according to the real people that wasn't really their experience.
1: At least in front of them anyway, maybe it was behind the scenes, but yeah, as far maybe. as as far as their personal experience, no one said to their face, you don't belong here cuz you're black or anything like that. They straight say, hey, welcome to the Olympics. We're going to help you out. But again, we need drama in this movie. Yeah. So to calm down uh, Junior, you'll take him into the men's room saying, look at yourself. I see, I see a man of pride. I see a man of power. You know, you, you're a tough mother who won't take anything from anybody. Sucking him up, kind of repaying the favor from earlier at the hotel. You know, you stood up for me. I'm going to stand up for you. And um, it's, it's a
2: rather nice scene,
1: so junior kind of gets this spark of of courage from the hype up with yule and goes into the face of the East German team. And the East Germans and the Jamaican team start a big fight in the bar.
2: And uh, apparently the Jamaicans, uh, win because. When we see them right after the cutscene, when they're sitting in the hotel room giggling about it all, there is not a bruise on them. There is not a cut. They look perfect. So I can only assume that when the camera cut away, they wiped the floor with everyone in there (laughs) because there is not a tear on their clothing. There is nothing. There is not a, a single follicle of hair out of place, especially on Yule. Man, <laughs> man looks wonderful. No, but I mean, seriously, they they look amazing. And that is supposed to be right after they left the bar. So I can only assume that they absolutely mop the floor with that, that but, entire Easter material. Yeah, but Doris is not happy about this. It's like,
1: you know, like, you don't see the Swiss team starting fights at bars. Why are you guys starting fights at bars? We're, you know, we're we're here to do business. We're not here to, you know, play around. So eventually, uh, Irv comes back. He's settled with the bar that they're not going to press charges. But he's not happy with his team. It's like, well, they already hate me because I'm disgraced. They already hate you because you're different. They hate us collectively because of that. So we need to get our 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 crap together if we're gonna make this happen.
2: And so it's another montage. Yep. We told you this movie was mostly montage. Let's let's
1: move on to the third trial.
2: And, and this is the the one that will decide it.
1: Yep, this is the final trial that will decide whether they qualify for the Olympics or not.
2: They've been told the whole time they're going to have three judges mm-hmm. and the third judge is actually a guy that Irv knows and he has he says through the whole movie, I know him, good guy. You know, fair fair guy. And they get there to find out that that judge has been replaced by the guy that has been giving them crap the entire movie. So that's strike one. And then they find out that their qualifying time has been changed yet again.
1: Yeah, when when they first get to Canada, He's told that the trial would be, you have to win in one one minute and five seconds. And by the time he gets to uh, register, he's been told it's been cut down to one minute and two seconds. By the time we get to this final trial, it's been cut down to one minute flat. They have to finish the trial in one minute or they will not qualify for the Olympics. It is also at this point that, um, that Irv says, well, I got a present for you. I was going to wait for the Olympics, but if you're going to compete against the best, you got to look like you can hang with them and gives them uh, their uniforms, their Jamaican uniforms, which look really nice.
2: Yeah. It's spandex time. I'm going to freeze in this. <laughs> yeah. I feel yes. you, Sanka. <laughs> Um. So, So. They, they've got their, their nice bright yellow helmets. So their nice, uh, black, green, and yellow, uh, spandex outfits. They're looking tight. And we get their, their tense little run down the, the track. And they finish just under a minute.
1: Yay! Yay! They actually qualify. This is also where they paint the, the, uh. After it is where they paint the sled. And it's a very nice paint job on the sled. All black with the yellow and the Jamaican flag. It's awesome.
2: And they decide that they need to give their sled a name. And Junior says, I think we should name it Tallulah. And they mock him horribly. They said, where'd you get a horrible name like that? And he says, well, it's my mother's name.
1: Good name, good name, good name, good good name.
2: Good name, good name, good name. But, But of course, it's Derese who names the sled. Cool
1: Runnings.
2: Title! (laughs) Cool Runnings. It means peace be the journey. Um,
1: So, as you're celebrating, uh, Irv gets a letter in that they've been disqualified. That they will not be able... They have disqualified from competing in the Olympics. Uh Yeah, this gets Irv really peeved that he goes directly to the Olympics committee. Like, they're in a meeting, he busts right in saying, what the hell is going on here? I know you already have something against me because I cheated, but don't take it out on my team. You know, you want to ban me from the Olympics, ban me from the Olympics. You want to, you, you know, you want to punish me, punish me. Uh, The reason that they say that they're disqualified is that they never went through any trials prior to going to the olympics and therefore they are disqualified but irv says according to the rules even a team that doesn't go through those kind of qualifiers still technically technically qualify by passing the trials which the jamaican team did but uh this one judge who already who is a former team, um who's actually irv's former coach which is why he hates them because he cheated. Says, "Well, we changed the rules. You have to qualify in your home country first before you can be sent to the Olympics."
2: And the interesting thing is that they said we're. It basically comes down to we're allowed to change the rules whenever we want.
1: And they also say, you know, hey, we we don't want a team that will not. If we have a bad team, it's going not only it's going to embarrass the Olympics. And this is where. It's John Candy. It's Irv saying, yeah, four black guys in a bobsled are really going to be embarrassing to you.
2: You know, the whole movie Irv keeps saying, I'm not really good at speeches. (laughs) And this is the point where he proves himself wrong. Because this is a great speech. And bravo to the writer, because this is the best speech in the movie. It doesn't matter if they win a medal. It doesn't matter if they're actual contenders for first place or not. Mm-hmm. They could come in first, they could come in last, but they've worked hard to get there and they deserve to walk into a stadium and represent their country and that's all they've asked for. Yeah. And I think that that's really important. The Olympics this year have been really interesting. Oh, it's very early in the Olympics still as we record this. But several countries have just earned their first Olympics medals in the country's history. And for a lot of these countries, they have been competing for years and years. And have never won a medal in any sport. But they have sent olympians every olympics and the olympians are there to represent their country wave their flag and be a part of the olympics and most of them know that they will probably statistically never see a podium Mm. And I hate to say it, but a lot of it might come down to money or training or equipment or, you know, Mm -hmm. but they get to go and they get to say, I was an Olympian. I represented my country. And I loved this speech, especially this year. Mm -hmm. Because. It's been so interesting to see the emotion of some of these people that they get to say that they're the first person to ever bring home an Olympic medal of any kind for their country.
1: Yeah, and it might be the only one.
2: Yeah, it may be years before their country ever sees a medal again, but they'll keep sending people and they'll keep going. And, you know, they'll keep being proud that they have an Olympic team. And I think that's kind of cool.
1: Yeah. So. And he- this speech works because, yeah, the Jamaican team is back in. And uh, we do get go back to, to Jamaica seeing all of the people of the community all rallying together at Mama Coffee's little restaurant to watch their team on TV. Those are my boys. Those are my boys.
2: And you see that these are the only four Jamaicans in the entire Olympics. Yeah. And Dereese is carrying the flag.
1: Yep. And that was his dream. He wanted to make it to the Olympics. He couldn't make it one way. He made it the other.
2: And now we get to the dumbest part of the movie. Junior's father shows up. Okay. This is by far the dumbest part of the movie. And like, like we said, this is entirely fiction. Yes. So this, this is the, the, we're not ragging on anybody's real life story here.
1: These are fictional people.
2: This is fictional people. This is some writer sat down and wrote this because they thought it was a good idea. And I am sorry to the writer. One of y'all messed up okay because this is the dumbest plot point i think i have ever seen in a movie your son has a silly pie in the sky dream of becoming an olympian you want him to settle down with the sensible dream of doing accounting or whatever it is you want him to go do at that firm in miami so you tell him to come home and give up on this ridiculous dream of becoming an olympian he doesn't do that you show up after. The Olympic Opening Ceremony to retrieve your son, who is now an Olympian, to tell him to give up on his ridiculous dream of becoming an Olympian. You do this while standing in the Olympic Village, which houses Olympians. To tell your son, an Olympian, to give up on his ridiculous dream of one day becoming an Olympian. Does anyone see a problem with this
1: storyline? And he calls his son a stupid little boy with a foolish dream, even though he's accomplished his dream.
2: He's an Olympian! You're at the Olympics! The Olympics has started! Your son... Is an Olympian. My dude. But it's the. It, I think they just, I mean they needed that moment.
1: Junior stands up to his father saying. I'm not going anywhere. I am an Olympian. And I will compete in the Olympics.
2: This and scene. Would make sense. If it was earlier in the film. At any other point in the movie. Except literally after the Olympic ceremony. Opening ceremonies have been held. At the Olympics. Literally any other point in this movie, this scene makes sense, except where it is placed in this movie. I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I, this baffles me. Uh, let's,
1: let's, uh, let's move on.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. It just, no, it's fine. It's break. fine.
1: But let's, let's move on to
2: yeah. the so actual it's the Olympics.
1: Olympics. Now. Yeah, it's the actual Olympics. They've made it. And it's their first race in the Olympics.
2: Boy, that Derice, he really likes them Swiss, don't he?
1: Yep, he starts doing everything that the Swiss are doing. He's knocking them on their heads. He's trying to hype them up the way the Swiss are hyping them up. Yeah, well, you know, look how good the Swiss are. We got to do what the Swiss do. And there's a nice little line from Senka. Yeah, they got those fancy pocket knives too, but you don't see us having any of them. Yeah. But uh, they they go on their first race. And a little bit of nerves kick in as they have a little bit of trouble getting into the sled. And we cut to footage. I don't know if this is actual Olympic footage or not.
2: I I don't either, honestly.
1: But it's them having trouble getting into the sled as it's going down. And they hit the corners really rough. They're kind of getting their heads knocked in. And they finish their time is last place. Which kinda starts getting the people back home kind of oh wow, all of that and they finished last.
2: Which and the is commentators the commentators are having a field day. They're they're kinda like, Well, what'd embar- you expect from Jamaica?
1: How embarrassing. Everyone back home must be embarrassed for them. And they come up back to the room, and there is this moment here where Doris is saying, we're not home anymore. We're here. We need to act like the people act here. And acting like that kind of screwed them up as we have this moment here with, 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 with Senka saying, I don't care what they're doing. I'm from Jamaica, and I'm going to do this as a Jamaican and if you and and, you know it's this moment is that oh we can act we can copy everybody else and lose or we can act like ourselves even if we still lose we're still ourselves which is a nice moment there you know you want to count in swiss when we're going downhill and 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 that screwed us up you want to act like the swiss are acting and that's screwing us up let's act like us Let's act, let's do it. We're you know, we're here to represent Jamaica. Let's act Jamaican. And that kind of works. That you know that yeah. that that gets into Doris like, don't act like them. Act like us. It's a it's a definitely a nice be yourself kind of moment.
2: One of the one of the cool things about this scene is while they're talking, Doris is wearing an all red Adidas. Uh, like track suit that looks very much like the Swiss were wearing earlier in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas Sanka is wearing like the, the kind of yellows and greens and stuff of Jamaica. Mm-hmm. But Derice looks very much like the Swiss team, the way he's standing the the kind of, you know, ramrod straight, stance and the you know all that kind of stuff and Sanka's is very loose and you know it's very it's the way this is filmed i really love it yeah so we get
1: to the next day and yeah everyone is all of them are on the same board greetings from jamaica they're riding on a pickup truck and they're singing the jamaican bobsled song that Sanka was singing earlier in the in the movie jamaica we
2: are a bobsled team <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, they give, uh, Irv, a Rasta hat a a knitted Rasta hat, uh, in the Jamaican colors. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Um, they are
1: united kind of a deal.
2: Yeah. And they, they get up and they, uh, do a different start instead of, uh, counting out even at all. They kind of do a nice little rhyme again invented for the film but it's very nice and they absolutely nail it they're completely in unison their time is spectacular they make
1: they go from last place to eighth place in this
2: one race yeah not a medal contender necessarily but you know they're proving themselves a legitimate bobsled team
1: yeah Not a joke, so we go to the next night. And there's this nice heart to heart saw the that night. The other three members of the team are going out to a restaurant. And Doris is not going to go. He's going to stay home. He's going to stay in the hotel room. He's going to study the track, try to figure out what what he can do, what kind of moves he need to do to speed up their time. Because as we mentioned earlier, He's the responsible one, that's why he's the captain. So he's not going to go drinking at the bar. But he has this moment with Irv. And he asks Irv, why did you cheat? You were already an Olympic gold medalist. Why did you need to cheat to win another? And Irv says, I'm a winner. That was my whole life was winning. I won everything I was ever in and when you make your life being a winner you have to keep on winning no matter what so he cheated because he had to win because that was his whole thing he had to win and darice doesn't really understand this he's like you know i don't understand what you're trying to tell me and it's probably the best line in this whole movie if you if you're if you don't think you're enough without a gold medal you'll never be enough with it and i love that line like you can be you know if you have to be the best to be good even when you're the best you're still not that good you know like winning if winning isn't the only thing kind of lesson yeah and the way john candy delivers that line Yes, he's a comedian, but he could have been a great dramatic actor if they let, if they gave him the chance.
2: The really great comedians mm-hmm. understand drama
1: better than st-
2: the great dramatists, I think.
1: And it was so sad that we lost him not long after this, I believe. Yeah. So it's the next day and it's this is the third trial uh, the third race and it's the final race this is it this is the the final run for the for the Jamaican team they're if 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 they finish high enough they're a medalist and the, the commentators in the movie say that they have a chance to become a medalist in real life not so much but it's a movie we're gonna go with it
2: and in the movie, uh, Jamaican bobsled fever has gripped the entire crowd. People are wearing T-shirts that say Jamaican bobsled team. Everybody's the commentators are wearing, yeah. Um, and in Jamaica, the uh, Mama Coffees uh, bar is just filled with people, including the head of the Jamaican Olympic Committee. Mm-hmm.
1: Everyone is here to, to, to see this happen. And everyone's on their side. So they start the race. And it looks like things are going good. But then we get... uh, Yeah, did we mention that this was an old practice sled? So, yeah, this old practice sled is starting to come apart as they are going a little too fast down these turns. And it's getting to the point where bolts are starting to fly off and this sled completely breaks apart as how fast they are going. And they can't slow it down enough. And they go into one turn, the bolts pop and they are just scraping the wall with their heads.
2: That part actually did happen. Um one of the racers said that he started to smell what smelled like smoke uh during the crash, which he thought was weird because bobsleds have no, you know, like engine or or anything to catch fire necessarily. Um and he realized that it was the fiberglass of his helmet was um scraping the wall and basically burning uh so that actually did happen during the crash
1: and we see the footage from the olympics of this happening yeah it's very scary especially the way it's filmed because we see uh Darice's head completely bent over the over the top of this track the way they filmed it, the, way, the way that that part is framed it's if you didn't know it was a movie it was kind of scary. Yeah, so
2: anyway, and some of it is not a movie, some of it is the actual uh footage. Yeah.
1: So they they're done. This this the, the 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 sled is the sleds tipped over. They're loopy, they're out of it. But Darice gets up and he says we have to finish the race.
2: Yeah. Like, well, not before we hear Senka say, "Dorice, you dead?" And Dorice says, "No man, not dead."
1: Not dead. We have to finish the race, and we,
2: we get- do see the the medics running down the track, though. I mean, it is a terrifying moment because yeah. in the film, and also if you don't if you don't know the story of the actual race, you don't know if they're if they're injured if anybody actually did lose their life it is a very tense moment uh when when you watch the film for the first time um because there's not really much sound and you don't hear anything from the other two in the sled yeah. <laughs> um except for Sanka and Teresa first um And then you see them start to move, Um, and then he says that they've got to finish the the race, Um, and you see the the medics part, and the four of them emerge carrying the sled on their shoulders. Helmets off, heads held high.
1: They're going to finish the race.
2: Which, again,
1: as we mentioned, not how it happened in real life. They did get up. They did push their sled for the remainder of the course across the finish line. But I they were in no condition to be lifting that sled.
2: Yeah, uh, there were some injuries. I, I think uh, one of them may have had a separated shoulder. At uh, least one of
1: them would have had a concussion
2: yeah there, there there were some injuries uh, they they did not escape unscathed but they were capable of of walking to the finish line and they were capable of pushing the sled um in the movie they walk proudly with the sled on their shoulders and smiles on their faces and the the uh entire crowd begins to clap and cheer including the olympic official who gave them so much crap and junior's dad who is there with a giant jamaican bobsled team shirt on
1: and yeah they crossed the finish line yes they did not win they didn't get the medal uh but they still finished that was you know they didn't really expect to ever win a medal they just wanted to finish and they finished
2: and they earned the respect they wanted to prove that Jamaica having a bobsled team was not a joke.
1: Mm-hmm. And the other teams are, are congratulating them for finishing the race, saying, we'll see you in four years. And he said, yeah, you will. <laughs>
2: um, They get their picture taken, uh, the four of them and their coach, smiling big. It goes up on the wall of the... Um, Olympic office in Jamaica above the picture of Teresa's father. Um, we get the nice little epilogue saying the team came home as heroes and, uh, in the 92 Olympics, they came back as equals.
1: Yep. And we get a very nice cover of I can see clearly now.
2: Which if you remember 1993, 1994. That jam was everywhere. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. Yeah, that is still, as the kids would say, a bop. Are the kids still calling him a bop? I don't know.
1: It's still on my playlist. It's been in my playlist for years.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's a great cover, yeah.
1: Yeah, and that is Cool Runnings, the story of the first Jamaican Olympic bobsled team.
2: It's a story of a Olympic Jamaican buffs. This is a variant story. Let's just call it that.
1: The TBA getting involved again.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but,
1: okay, honestly, again, as a factual t- retelling of history, no. This is not a factual retelling of history at all. As a inspirational yeah, sports Yeah, we are move,
2: not judging this as a factual retelling. No. Let's get that out of the way.
1: But as a film, it's it's good. It's still good. This movie holds up surprisingly well.
2: Yeah. So uh, what do you what do you think? Uh, magic? I'm going to say yes.
1: Cool running still has the magic.
2: Yeah, it's been years since I've seen this one, and I'm going to say magic. I enjoyed this one. Yeah. It's fun. The jokes work. Oh, yeah. uh, there was nothing for me to dislike except for that one really bizarre plot point about the dad. Yeah. That is a really bad writing choice. Put that scene three minutes earlier. It makes sense. But where it's placed in the film. Super bizarre. Agreed. Um,
1: but uh, yeah. Yeah. If you're in the mood to watch some Olympic-themed movies, uh, yeah, definitely put it on. Even if it, even if it is about the Winter Olympics, and not the Summer Olympics.
2: But, you know, mm, about half of the movie takes place in a very summery feel. So. <laughs> Bizarrely, it is a 90s movie where the jokes work, and it's also a 90s movie that th- the jokes aren't cringy. Yeah! Like, there's... Th- we didn't have to go, like, ooh, that was a problematic joke.
1: hmm So, did you know that there's th- this movie inspired a musical? So, they made, not Disney, but apparently there is a musical based off the real Jamaican bobsled team called Rasta in the Snow which features a lot of the songs that were featured in the film, because they're all licensed songs, including I Can See Clearly Now. Um, I had not heard about it until doing the research for this film. It says uh, But if anyone has anything about this Rasta in the Snow musical, uh, drop us a line. I'm very curious about this.
2: Yeah, I would. I I I would be very <laughs> interesting to to see that as well.
1: Any so, anyways, um, I think that's all we can say about uh about Cool Runnings. Definitely, it still holds up. It's still great. Uh, go watch it if you haven't seen it in a while. But uh, let's move on to next week as um let's talk about uh another period piece another movie that takes a movie that does actually takes place in the summer and is about a summer pastime baseball and it's a movie that fairly recently got added to disney plus the sandlot you're killing me smalls <laughs> haven't seen this one in a long time and i'm looking forward to, to going back to this one
2: yeah, I saw it when it came out, and I'm not sure I've seen it since.
1: So, yeah, come back, and we'll, we'll talk about another sports movie. <laughs> Why? I don't know, but we're going to do it anyway.
2: Because you're torturing me.
1: No, I'm kidding. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually so, yeah. enjoyed this week, so.
1: So, yeah, let's so uh, come back uh, for The Sandlot next week, and uh, we will talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Don't let the magic stop here. Join our conversation online on Facebook at Rewatching the Magic. Twitter at Rewatch the Magic. And of course, new episodes every week at RewatchingTheMagic.podbean.com. Remember, the magic is for everyone. It only stops if you let it.